Welcome to the Church Digital Podcast. Through this podcast, we'll talk about the technological innovations within the church. But more than tech for tech itself, we'll address deeper questions. Is disciple making possible digitally? How should we approach the digital mission field? Can a biblically grounded church operate in digital space? Oh, and where does the metaverse fit into all this? Whether you're a big or small church, an established church or a startup church plant, the Church Digital's goal is to help churches like yours learn to be a multiplying church, digitally and physically. Our heart, that churches like yours would discover a newfound focus on disciple making that will revolutionize your church. And now, here's your host, Jeff Reed. Hey everybody, welcome to the Church Digital Podcast. Jeff here, founder of the Church Digital uh, Digital Church Network, and, and I'm excited about today's conversation. We're, we're digging in a little bit more on on the physical side of, of church and what physical looks like in a in a hybrid environment. And, and so, you know, we talk a lot about digital church planting, metaverse church planting, virtual reality. You know, some of some of that bleeding edge stuff. And, and today's conversation, I think, is going to be bleeding edge, just in that it's a a physical church that's doing something different with their digital strategy. And I cannot wait to get into this conversation. Maybe maybe a couple months ago, uh, a book was published, Hybrid Church by James Emery White. And, and I'm very excited to get into this conversation with James today. James is uh, lead pastor at Mecklenburg Church. And, and I'm, I'm going to, James, I, like, I want to I have this conversation with you right now because you and I are, are, are linked at the hip. And, and I don't even know if you realize this, but you and I may be the only two people in America who have used the word uh, fidgetal and church in the same context, in the same conversation. Like most people are are afraid of the word fidgetal, but back my first exposure to you was you were talking about fidgetal pre-COVID and, and using that physical and digital as, as that term. Um, well, I'm just curious. Let's because I don't know if you've experienced this, James, but I I was mocked for using the word fidgetal. People were like, "That that sounds like a dirty word. That sounds like you're trying to kill somebody." Fidgetal, like like there was there was definite mocking centered around the word word fidgetal. Did you experience anything like that? No, uh, because uh, the term certainly wasn't original with me. It comes from uh, marketing world and the business world where it's very common and um, and uh, was well understood. I think that, um, and so in the business world, it's a, it's a very, very common term. Yeah, so evidently your friends respect you more than my friends do, which is <laughs> probably very evident for many reasons. But uh, yeah, so, but you don't use fidgetal in, anymore with your terms. You You, you pivoted more towards hybrid church. And so I'm really interested to, to get into hybrid, your, your book, uh, and maybe some of the stuff you're doing with, with Mecklenburg, but let's, let's start there. Uh, so you're, you're lead pastor with, with Mecklenburg. Tell, tell us a little bit about yourself. Well, the most important thing is I've got a lovely wife I've been married to for 40 years and I've got four children and 15 grandchildren. Wow. And, uh, Mac is a, was a church plant. I planted it, uh, had the privilege of doing that back in 1992, so we're a little over three decades into this. Um, and uh, the the biggest headline probably about Mac is that we really are very focused on the unchurched, and 70% of our growth throughout all 30 years has come from people who are previously unchurched. And so we're very, um, we're laser sharp in that aspect of of our mission. So yeah, um, you know, it's a young church, 
almost entirely constituted of 20 and 30-somethings. I'm the resident old guy. Yeah, I, I, I got to tell you, I was I was expecting somebody younger, not somebody with 15 grandkids in, in a conversation, you know, talking about hybrid church. And so, so that's that's intriguing into itself. Well, tell me a little bit about the book you wrote, Hybrid Church. Yeah, um, it, it has a, a, a thesis that, if you'll give me a moment to explain, I think will be an, important for it. Um, I, I've always had a foot in in the you know church world and a foot in academia, and 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 as uh, as a professor of theology and culture. And one of the things that intrigues me, it's always intrigued me, is is the flow and the interplay of church and culture. And um, this book is a genesis of something that I believe is is we're experiencing right now which is uh, only for the third time in Christian history, a shift in both our mission field and how we communicate to it. Go back in time, there's only been three eras of the Christian church, pre-Christian, Christian, Christian, and now post-Christian. In the pre-Christian era, the mission field was um, uh, obviously largely to Jews, Judaizing Gentiles, and pagans. Uh, Form of communication to that mission field was largely oral in nature. Even when Paul would write a letter to, for example, the church at Corinth, it would be read to the Church of Corinth as an oral event. And uh, much of history was kept alive orally before it was written. And so you had a pre-Christian world uh, that was, was the mission field and an oral form of communication. Well, fast forward, and you can largely point to the time of the conversion of Constantine, but you had, uh, certainly around that time, the shift from a pre-Christian world to a Christian world. And uh, that was the nature of the mission field. And you also had a change in how communication took place. It went from oral to written and then later to mechanized writing. And that dominated culture for over a thousand years. And then in our day, what is happening right now is for only the third time, we have a new mission field and we have a new way of communicating with it. The mission field has gone from pre-Christian to Christian to post-Christian. And the way of communicating with it has gone from oral to written to now digital. And this is a significant revolution. This is a significant uh, shift. And I, I'm not convinced that the average church or church leader is aware of just how significant this shift is, how deep of a paradigm shift it is, even though that phrase is often misused. To here is a time where it is appropriate. This is a paradigm shift, change in our mission field and how we communicate with that mission field. And so um, it, it calls for a different model church. I argue that the first era was church 1.0 in the last thousand or so years been church 2.0 and now we have to have church 3.0 and i'm arguing that that is going to be a hybrid model i think that's the best term uh not solely physical not solely digital but a hybrid of the two going forward and that that is going to be um that that is going to be everything and the book explores this model it makes the case for the changes and then explores what that would be like in a working model, uh, which we at Mecca have been about now for at least, um, well, in one form or another, longer than this, but in full effort for about five years. Yeah, I, that's you first, Mech first came on my radar. It was pre-COVID. And so as as you're talking about, and, and I believe, I, I, I was funny, I was trying to remember if it was a if it was a secular posting or if it was churchleaders.com, but I, I distinctly remember reading an article pre-COVID, I'm sorry, I should say pre-COVID, um, about how your church was uh, abandoning the multi-site strategy and, and pivoting more towards digital. And this is this is well before the pandemic. 
So like, yeah, yeah, it was. And, and, and it was, we were a little surprised that it got the press that it did, but we were, I guess maybe the first or one of the first large churches that was multi-site and been successful with multi-site um, and that um, purposefully ended it. And, and the reason was, was, was fairly, it's very simple decision for us really. And, um, and as I've explained it, I, I think it is, it's resonated and more and more churches are, are considering something similar. But here, here was our thinking. We, we got into the multi-site approach um, purely for the mission, purely for evangelism and outreach. And it was never to make Mech more convenient to attend for our existing attenders. It was always to make it easier to invite our unchurched friends with, uh, to overcome a perceived geographic barrier. People used to talk about a 15-minute barrier, and so you needed to have physical sites to invite people to throughout the city you were trying to reach because people psychologically wouldn't attend. So, But, but here's what we found. When the world changed, and it changed, and I would argue, and I have argued in the book, and I'm not the first to do it, that really the, the digital revolution, though it began much sooner than that, really kicked in culturally in 2007, from 2007 forward. Uh, when the world changed, um, then all of a sudden, everything about the multi-site model, which actually is a fairly dated model. I mean, some of the earliest books about it came out in the 1980s. So it's not like a cutting edge thing, but, um, but when, when, um, the digital revolution took place and you, you were, yet you were dealing with this physical multi-site approach. What you had is you had a physical approach in a digital world. Even worse, you had a physical response to a digital demand. We were, we were finding that when people invited their friends, it was intuitive for them to invite them to check us out online or to attend an online campus. It wasn't to attend. And that was what people naturally wanted to do anyway. They weren't going to just attend a physical campus. They were going to explore things online. And so geography was just no longer the outreach issue. It wasn't the barrier to move. We had a digital barrier. We didn't have a geographic barrier. And we, it was a digital site, if you will, that we needed to build, not a physical site that would uh, facilitate this. And then also once someone's hooked um, to, say, a church or something of that nature, um, uh, doing whatever it takes to connect with it in a physical way, in an embodied way, if they felt so led, was no longer a barrier. People will drive quite some distance if they want to attend, for example, a church service. That's what the multi-site model is based on, quite frankly. You already had a core of people, maybe two, 300 people attending 30, 40 minutes away. And so it, the multi-site model itself was built on the, um, on the reality that if people are a fan, geography isn't that big of an issue. So, um, so we, we, we shut down our sites, which um, were doing well, but they were expensive. And we made the decision to put all that money. I mean, physical sites, a multi-site model. We don't people don't talk about this very much. It's an extraordinarily expensive model, which is fine if it's missional. It's fine if it's effective. But we were looking at what we could do with even half that money digitally, in terms of reaching people, and just made us want to go throw up in a corner. And so we closed down our sites very strategically at a certain point in time and pivoted and put. Uh, those resources in more into our online campus and staffing that as a, as a full campus and other digital marketing and so many other things that we were doing, making our, our, our own, uh, main 80 acre campus much more, um, of a digital model and much more easy to be engaged digitally. And, um, we, we made that shift and, and I, and I kid you not, almost overnight, the increase in our size was dramatic. 
uh, we increased in attendance both online and in person and and never looked back. And so when the pandemic hit, we looked a lot smarter than we were. And uh, but we were, you know, full going and and we had made that digital hybrid pivot. And um, and so even though there were challenges that every church faced, us included with the pandemic, we we were outliers in that during that time. We 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 thrived, quite frankly, financially. We thrived numerically. We grew faster and larger than ever, reached more people than ever. Um, and when we did have, uh, even during full shutdowns, select embodied events, they were the largest embodied events we'd ever had, um, and turned people away. I mean, we, we were capping events at 10,000 people because we couldn't have more than 10,000 at a time. So it was, it was a, so it, yeah, so the decision to move from multi-site to much more of an intentional hybrid model and, and realizing that the, what this hype, what the multi-site model was trying to, overcome was best overcome digitally the 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 challenge was best met digitally for us is has been you know a game changer and i make the case in the book that i really do think that this is this is this is the way for all churches and i don't i don't and i don't say that in an in an arrogant way because there's all kinds of ways to be hybrid so it doesn't have to look like mac but i think hybrid is the way for all churches because it is a reality that the digital revolution has taken place. It is the way we communicate. It is the way you interact with our mission field. And so if you're not going to be hybrid, you're going to be uh, painfully irrelevant and removed from missional effectiveness. Yeah, I mean, obviously, I mean, you're saying missional over and over again. It's interesting. There's another church, um, uh, church home on the other coast over in California, Mark Minty, executive pastor over there is a good friend. And he talks about how you can spend millions of dollars to reach thousands of people in the building, or or you can spend thousands of dollars online to reach millions of people online. And they they have had a different strategy, I would probably suggest, than what you're doing. But once again, it's tapping into the mission field that exists in, in digital space. And so both of your churches are very missional with, with that, that view. Um, and there's there's a lot of churches that, that do have a missional view. And in 2023, it's so important to utilize digital for that. Um, but I'm, I'm curious, just to pull the thread here a little bit, does digital, like aside from the missional, getting into more of the the discipleship, more of the uh, the relational, helping people grow deeper once they are connected in, into the church, does digital play a role in that at, at Mecklenburg? What what does that look like? Oh my gosh, it's everything. Yeah, I mean, when a hybrid model is, you're hybrid through and through, and and all the hybrid is is that you're both physical and digital. You're both embodied and online, and it's it's kind of and often you're both. And in fact, the typical person at Mac is both. They're 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 engaging the church in both ways and and depending on any given week and on any given issue. And so that's what a hybrid is, is bringing both together. It's not solely one or the other. And that's where a lot of people I think make, um, uh, draw some erroneous conclusions because they just instantly hear digital, 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 and you can't do this digital, or if it's all digital, that isn't church. And, and I keep saying, whoa, whoa I, I chose my terms very carefully. Hybrid, a combination, a blending of the digital and the physical. And when it comes to something like um, community or discipleship, you hear people say all the time, "Well, you can't do can't you do community online. You can't you can't can't do church online." And I and I really bristle at that. And I and I hope that I explain that carefully in the book of why that's that's not a carefully worded or thought through statement. You can, in fact, if you talk to someone, say you're talking to a twenty year old, and you're few to tell them you can't have community online, they would just simply say, "Well, I'm sorry, you can, and I do." 
And, and studies have shown that there's some aspects of that community that can even be deeper than what it was experienced prior to that uh, embodied. And so I, I think some of this is we, we build theological fences around our personal taste. And so if you don't like to read a book on Kindle, you all of a sudden are anti that being a legitimate way of reading. And, and, and that goes throughout so many different areas of life when it comes to the digital. And so, uh, and I don't think that's a merely a generational thing. I've seen people in their 30s just as resistant to some things out of personal sensibilities as someone in their 70s. And so I, I just think we just all have to be very careful with that. At Mac, discipleship is strategically served by uh, all things digital. I mean, because really the heart of, of what the digital revolution allows is an entirely new approach to delivery and engagement. And so we have the bulk of our classes and courses are online, if not on demand, uh, or a blend of live and online. For example, we just did, like, I'll give you an example. Like, um, uh, we have this thing called the Mech Institute, which is like a community college vibe dynamic to our church. And, um, I recently did a systematic theology class. My, my PhD is in systematic theology. I was a professor of theology and, seminary president. And, and so I have that, that, that background. So I, anyway, I was teaching in my, in, a, in my wheelhouse of, of systematic theology. And the way we did it was, was that I pre-recorded a dozen lectures that were edited and, and, and with, and then made, you know, with nice overlays and other things. And so that it was, it was good consumable content that way production is produced with post-production uh, qualities things. And then we had a, a large Zoom class. And uh, I think it was about 200, 250 students. And uh, and so they, with a live host, and they were live coming in for this lunchtime lecture. And then there was that interaction and live element. And then they showed my the lecture. And then when that was over, I came on live for Q&A. And it was this wonderful blend and, you know, people gathering in Starbucks and other places all over and, you know, for this class. And, and, and that was, um, we got more people through systematic theology through an online course like that than we ever would have had if we would have had it, you know, Thursday night at seven o'clock for 10 weeks. So it's delivery systems. Um, and also the building of community is much the same way. I mean, we're, we, we're very intentional about fostering online community. Um, largely beginning through our online campus. And we can talk about what an online campus is. It's very different than just a Facebook feed. So it's a real campus. I mean, it's, a, it's an actual staff campus with service times and everything else. So, and, um, and we were, uh, we were, we've been told we we're among the first to offer a, a full online campus. We were doing that for years prior to even our digital switch. Let's, let's ask the question. Let's, let's dig into that. So what makes, what makes a campus a campus, uh, an online campus a campus at Mech? Yeah, I mean, what most churches do, which I, I, I applaud, is uh, some type of Facebook feed, some type of live stream. And or they just tape it and uh, the, whatever they did on the weekend and slap it on YouTube for just people to just watch whenever they want. An online campus is just that. It's a campus, just like our, we say, we, we kind of joke, we're still multi-sided. We just have one that's physical and one that's digital. The, 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 a digital, an online campus is a time with select, very clear service times, pastors hosting it and other guests and guest services and greeters in the chat room and such. It's a, it's, um, it's designed for, to be an event 
And, and uh, I'd encourage people to go check it out at mecklenburg.org and they can see what an online campus looks like and feels like. It's very different. It's very interactive, very engaging. You, you, you're, you're, you're showing up for an event, a service. Um, and people are building community through in the chat room. They can go offline and having prayer time with pastors. They can, it's a, it's a live interactive thing, um, involving thousands and thousands of people. Um, and, um, it has its own kind of unique community environment. We have people like, there's a group of 30 or 40 that gather around it at one office, bank office building here. There's another group of 17 that meet every Sunday at Starbucks. It started with, and most of them still aren't Christians. Um, and, um, and, and on and on it goes. So it's creating its own, their own groups, their own little gatherings around it. But obviously the average person is a single, just an attender or a family. But it's, it's an actual campus and everything, all the content is curated for online consumption. It's not something that's just a taped weekend service. I have a separate taping of my talk for the online campus with that, that is presented, uh, for an online audience. And that does change how you present because you're not talking to thousands. You're talking to one, maybe two. Um, what our arts team does in terms of worship and other uh, creative elements is completely filmed and created and curated and crafted separately from anything we do on the weekend announcements. Every, everything about that, the online campus is developed, curated for online consumption through the online campus. And, um, and, uh, uh and it's extraordinarily effective. Is your your staffing for it for this like like producing? It's it's funny you mentioned the first thing you said is like we got pastors that gather together. Are those physical pastors that are praying online? Are you staffing pastors? Yeah, 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 yeah. It's all live. Yeah, I mean these are. I mean we have we have um, pastors and staff populating the chat room, present for every one of the online campus services. Uh, volunteers, tech uh, folk, uh, people like when you go into the chat room from our campus, you'll say hi. Somebody will be there, and say hey, I'm Pastor Robbie. If you want to talk or pray, we can go over to a private area. And other people say hi, I'm the 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 tech coordinator for this service. You run into any problems, let me know. And you've got a host and guest services team and everything else in there. And so we'll probably have at least I don't know, maybe half a dozen staff minimum. Uh, a, staffing every online campus service. Forgive me, I, I I didn't ask the right question. What I was trying to get into was, are your staff exclusive for online or are you sharing responsibilities, physical and online church? Some are. Can you can you detail like some of, of who's exclusive for online, what roles are, or what roles are shared? Do you know? Well, I, we, I mean, our, our, our uh, director of our online campus who heads it all up is fully exclusively for that. We have a producer, a, a host, someone who, who is the main anchor for all that, who's totally dedicated to the online campus. We have um, now our production folk and our creative team and our graphic arts and and videographers and such work across the board, but there are some that are more to- more dedicated to online uh campus consumption than others. And so uh, we're a large staff, so I, I probably wouldn't be the, the right one to ask <laughs> every, how exactly, like like Met Creative, how they've divided up all their responsibilities or how, you know, the production team has done that. But um, but I do, we do have, you know, some staff completely devoted to the online campus. And, and uh, but everybody, there isn't anyone, and this may be really where you were going, there isn't anyone on our on our team that isn't somehow engaged in serving, producing, facilitating, 
the hybrid model, which means not simply the physical, but the digital as well. Does, does this drip down to kids and students, uh, Gen Z, Gen A, like, like, Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. We have full, our full met kids, met kids is fully online as well. And, and so that you can engage on any given week, whether you, if you want to, if you come to a physical, uh, campus physical service for met kids, if not, you can engage it entirely online as well with material there and content and, and a full program, if you will. That's one of our, one of our, our real commitments is that everything that we offer, we're committed to a digital counterpart, a digital reflection. And if there's something we're offering digitally, we try to think through how can we offer that physically, but we're, we're more concerned about making sure that what's physical gets digital because not everything that's digital can go physical. I mean, you have much more opportunities and much more freedom, much more creativity when with the digital. But uh, but they they don't often that doesn't often work that way. I mean, sometimes we just simply say, okay, this is simply an embodied experience, and and it's it's we really can't have a digital counterpart to it, and sometimes it's vice versa. So um, we're very clear about that, and 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 even then we try to make it hybrid. Like for example, we have an eighty acre campus here, and we have this thing called the Mech Trail, which is a one mile nature outdoor chapel kind of vibe with benches by a running stream and and select you know scriptures tastefully put it's just a it's a place that people just come and walk and sit and think and reflect and get away from the world and immerse themselves and you feel like you're in the mountains away thousand miles from any city so one of the things that we did and we've done several things on the mech trail but besides just leaving it open as a chapel year-round but uh for example on good friday we had the 14 stations of the cross throughout the one mile loop. And then you could download through the Mac app, a program that would take you through it like a museum guide and stop you at each one of the stations. And you could pause, go further, do anything you wanted to do to, to, to the degree that you wanted to with the content and, and create this very spiritual experience of walking through the 14 stations with the history, the, the biblical background stories. And, um, you know, thousands of people went through that. And just on their own, we just said, okay, on Friday, just, just, it's going to be open from nine to five. You know, take, bring your app and your 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 um, your earpods and come come go through it. And so you can, it's easy to blend those things too. Is you, what you're describing is blended's a great word. You're blending the physical and, and the digital. You're you're you know whether the the the, the fidgetal term, it doesn't matter if I buy the rake at Home Depot or HomeDepot.com. The rake is still the rake, and I use it the same way. And I can intersperse. I can return it online if I bought physical and things like that. Yeah, and 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 again, uh, we probably we use the word fidgetal, and I use the word fidgetal in the book, and I explain it, but I I, I use it in more the uh, 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 you know, for, for me, and it doesn't mean this is right. Hybrid for me is a large umbrella term for this model. Fidgetal is what you do with your building and your campus. And that's kind of the way that it's, 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 it's used in, in many business circles, meaning there's a seamless integration between technology when you interact with them physically. So when I, I can, I can, I can, put in my order and go pick it up at the store or what I see online is what's going to be like it in the store. And what I, and if I go in the store, I can then just whip out my phone and I can do this or I scan that QR code or I can, there's this, there's like the, the building itself, everything about it. It's, it's very much like the way airports are. Um, before I get to the airport, I've already, I've already, um, 
onboarded. I've already gotten my boarding pass. I've already let them know I'm coming. I may have already secured my parking space all through my phone, all through my, you know, an app. And then um, I'm able to seamlessly walk through with my phone to physically get my, my, you know, my boarding pass scanned to get through security, which also gives them my TSA. And so, so far as I'm doing this physical act, but it's in completely integrated with technology. And, and that's really what you're after with a, a fidgetal church building where you, you have everything where I'm, I'm on my way to church and I've, I've ordered, I've got coffee waiting for me at the bookstore that I've already pre-ordered and it's there. And I've checked my kids into children's ministry. And, and when I'm in the service, I'm, I'm, I'm looking at the notes on the app that go along with the, with the talk as well as where, where I can go further with it and maybe a class that I can register and go ahead and shoot that off. And maybe I'm shooting off a prayer request as well. And there's this, there's a seamless integration between the physical and the digital. With that, and and we've found that that's critical because we reach people first online, largely through our online campus and digital marketing. And so, if and when they ever do come to the physical campus, we want there to be an absolute seamless integration between what they've already experienced and done, and how they've engaged with us digitally. And so that's just thinking it through. Beautiful. I, you know what? To be honest, I may adapt. I, I like that digital approach. Um, in, in, in that, that, that terminology, I may, I may, I may adapt that. I may, I may steal that. I'll give you credit the first couple of times and you wrote it in the book. So you get credit for that, uh, publicly, I'm sure. Um, do you have people at, at Mech or, or Mech online, Mech, the, the, uh, the hybrid campus, the online campus that aren't physical? Like, do you reach different states, time zones, countries, continents? Like what's what's the reach of this thing? And what does it look like pastoring and shepherding people long distance? Yeah, we, we, we really don't try to have it be beyond uh, uh, a tool for us as a local church to reach our immediate community. Um, it, we do have on any given weekend, our online campus is attracting Almost every state in the United States and probably an additional 15, 20 countries or more on just any given service. But 70% or more of attenders at our online campus are in the Charlotte area. And for us, that's a win. That's what we're after. Because um, uh, I, I do think there are some significant theological questions uh, related to ecclesiology and, and the role of the pastor uh, for the digital, you know, church and a, a larger reach and 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 how that begins to manifest itself which we can talk about if you want but for us it, it's very much um we have a we have a large reach but we but our mindset is is local very strongly local and again it's all designed for outreach and so we but yes we're reaching people all over and um and like i said 70 percent of our growth comes from people who are previously on church that includes online uh it's i mean when you, you go into the chat room on any service and there's you're going to throw a rock and you're going to hit an unchurched person and, and uh, somebody who's not a Christian. And they'll tell you they're not a Christian. They're much more open online. Well, let's, I mean, let's, let's go ahead and poke the bear a little bit here and, and maybe be respectful for it. Cause there are a lot of digital pastors and planters that are, that are on here. And, and, and by the way, you need to know that like my approach towards a digital church planting and, and what we, we promote through digital church network and the church digital is far more um, relational. Um, it, it's much more like a, probably like a, a micro church approach of utilizing digital. And so it's building on those relationships and more discipleship centric and heavy. Uh, and, and, but 
you know, I've had plenty of people on here that disagree with me and, and I've had some hard conversations and we, we wear big boy pants and, and so it's okay. Um, so I like, I would love, what can you do? What, what would be the issue? What would be the challenge? Where, what's the obstacle in, in reaching somebody and discipling somebody? I don't know, uh, in California, in, um, in, uh, Eastern Europe, like uh, somewhere that's not, geographically centric what are you sensitive to uh theologically ecclesiology in, in in that standpoint what i'm sensitive to is not so much you know you know are there ch- the challenges of reaching someone digitally for christ i think that's how you're going to need to reach them or even discipling them digitally i think i think discipleship is is significantly going to be increasingly be digital in nature all of education is i mean that's that's just simply the 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 delivery system and i make a strong i hope i make a strong case for this i mean if if people who read hybrid church are the ones that are going to be um uh made uncomfortable are the ones who are not particularly open to digital things so but but i but here's here's the theologian in me um, it's not so much problems with evangelism or discipleship digitally. The, the concern that I have is being the church in the fullest biblical sense and theological sense. The doctrine of ecclesiology is one that uh, many Christians, certainly evangelical Christians, but Christians as a whole, have, have really dismissed and have, have not been careful with. And they've made of ecclesiology just whatever they wanted to be in their own image. And and there's much more in the scriptures and in church history than that, I would say. And so I, I think it's more or less how do you how do you pastor? How do you how do you function as a biblical community? What does need to be embodied? And and when there is a need for embodiment, um, then um, how do you do that? Like there was um, um, the author's name is is he wrote Homo Sapiens, a very famous book. Um, the author's name is is or Sapiens. I'm sorry, but anyway, he was he was saying that the challenge for the online world is that he said, you know, if I'm sick in London and I've got a cold, you know, you can express concern for me. You can check up on me. We can talk to each other, but you can't bring me a bowl of soup. And so there's limits to sometimes embodiment and, 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 and when there is a need for embodiment, and when there's a need for the practice of presence, as Douglas Steer would talk about, the great Quaker writer, or um, when um, and, and we are physical creatures. And so I do think that that what we need to wrestle with and it doesn't matter. And however, we come out, we'll come out with different answers. But what we need to wrestle with as thoughtful thinking biblical Christians, I would argue, is what is optimal in terms of embodied? What is just as fine, if not better, digital? And when can it be both, depending upon someone's personal tastes and sensibilities? And so as a pastor, you do have to ask yourself, okay, are all the one another's possible digitally? I would argue the vast majority, if not most are, but it's a, it's a good question. You know, um, we do the Lord's Supper online. Uh, does that work for baptism? Um, and, 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 if you're going to have somebody be baptized and not baptize themselves, and if there's going to be public profession of faith, and how, how are you working those things? There can be ways of solving this, but I mean, we have to wrestle with solving it in a way that's biblical and theological. And so that's that's what I mean. So what does it mean to be the church? And how? And so I, I personally don't know that Mech could be the church fully for someone who never could do anything of an embodied nature. 
Um, I, I'm not sure, at least I would, I would be concerned about them because I, I would, I would, I would at least want them to try to get connected with people in that area for embodied community when they need it. You know, um, even if it's something as simple as someone who can stand with them by their side at a funeral and, and, you know, you bring up a lot of great questions. Um, and, and there are people that are, and for the most of the part, I, I want to just say, I, I agree with you. Like there are people that, um, that need the physicality. And by the way, there are digital churches that meet physical periodically. Uh, there's, uh, it's not necessarily weekly. Uh, I can tell you Cornerstone VR, Cornerstone Yuba City, uh, they, they fly in people from the virtual reality campus once a year and they do a family reunion in San Francisco, Northern California area. And it's, it's, it's an incredible experience. They're actually talking about doing the next family reunion in um, London because they've got a lot of uh, London and England people that attend in the virtual reality church. And so, so physicality, there's options. Um, you know, I've, I wrote, uh, this is your book that we're talking hybrid church, but the book that I wrote sharing Jesus online, we talk a lot about serving people. And, and it's interesting. You're you, nobody, you can't digital church can't serve a coffee or a serve. Would you say chili soup? Uh, and that's, that's, it's funny. Cause when I had COVID I actually had people sending me, um, Gatorade and my favorite candy, uh, via, uh, Uber eats people I've never met were, were sending me things to encourage me. As a matter of fact, a percentage of the bobbleheads that are behind me, I actually have no idea where they came from. They just show up at my house because people send me random things to encourage me. Like, and so it's, it's reimagining some things, whether that's, you know, it's it's funny, uh, James. I, I literally I, I I tell this pe- to people all the time. I, I will stand before God one day, uh, and and my opening question is, what did I get right and what did I get wrong? And I'm sorry for what I got wrong, because I, I know that we're reimagining some things in this. Yeah, well, I, and and it's that season, Jeff, and and I think we're we're all doing it. And I I would rather, you know, it's 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 I'd rather the church kind of be pulled back a little bit if it goes too far than always having to be pushed to try to get going. And then, you know, if it's reaching people, I, my default mode is to like it. If if it's connecting people to Jesus, I, my default mode is to like it. And, um, and I think that uh, with all things hybrid and digital right now, um, it's, it's going to be a little theologically messy at times because we're, we're thinking through things that we don't have historical precedent for. You know, we can't go to Origin or Melanchthon or Bart or Bruner to give us insight into, you know, some of the questions that we're raising here. Um, but that's also what's exciting about it and wonderful about it. We can go to Elon Musk, but how much do we really trust Elon Musk to speak into this stuff? But, uh, but I, you know, but I, I, I mean, I love, I love the, the, the challenge of this. And I, and, and I, I think that, uh, in in concert with you, I, I think that we need to be um, aggressive in our embrace of all things digital. What are you guys doing? Is metaverse? Is virtual reality? Is this on your radar? Like, what what's your opinion or take on this? Well, it is obviously. Um, I, I think um, it's been interesting to see how how that like one news cycle. It's 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 the next big thing. The next news cycle. It's it's oddly absent. And and it's like I think everybody's trying to figure out exactly is this going to be the next just huge thing or is is it going to be something that people dabble with and say oh, I don't, I'm not sure that that's my cup of tea. Um, the um, 
I think everybody needs to have their eye on it. I think every church should, if they can, experiment with it and see, you know, look at it through a missional lens and see if it has potential. Um, I, I do have some questions um, about what, how much a virtual act should replace an embodied act. And, and what that means for spiritual formation, as well as what God actually is asking us to do. Um, I, I don't agree. I, I do have problems with virtual baptisms because I don't think that really is a public profession of faith. You're, 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 when you're, when it's your avatar doing it, but not you. I, I think that that's a, that's a, that, that to me is, that's tricky theological waters. And I, I think that we need to go very slowly there. And so I, I do think there are some things that, that, those are the kinds of questions we need to be wrestling with. By the way, the people that are even doing the work in virtual reality that are in that metaverse mission field, most of them would agree with you, or at least are asking the same questions where I don't know that I'm comfortable with that. Probably the most controversial thing I've ever said in my life is virtual reality baptism, at least according to my YouTube comments and, and the negativity surrounding that. So um, definitely understand the controversial nature of that. Um, the, the opportunities for evangelism, the opportunities to have conversations with people without getting uh, F-bombed, because, I mean, some of these worlds, literally, this technology is designed to connect people together in a virtual environment for a conversation. Like, that's what virtual reality is meant to do. And so the ability to represent Jesus, uh, to champion that idea in, in these in these mission fields is incredible. And, and, and oh, I totally agree. And and in that sense, I don't think there's any any barriers, any hindrances, anything that we need to be pulling back from, and using uh, the metaverse for that or anything else. Again, it's it's kind of going back to what we talked about earlier. How far do we go with that? Like, do we create an entire virtual church and virtual and have and have many of the acts be simply virtual, like even the Lord's Supper? Do you, is, is it, is it, do you simply have that taken virtually or is there something biblically and theologically? No, you physically have to take that. That's, that's part of the body and the blood of Christ. And so you have these things that were, that, um, where I, I think people who are evangelistic animals, which it sounds like you are as much of one as I am. But if you're an evangelistic animal, it's like, okay, I'm not, I, but I'm not going to let my evangelistic zeal blind me to what happens maybe after someone has, has become a Christian and what is best in terms of, uh, for that and, and next steps. And, um, and I would argue as, as you would imagine that whatever happens after that is probably going to have some dynamic of a hybrid nature to it. Yeah. And so the, it's interesting. Like I can actually tell you stories of people that have accepted Christ in virtual reality and, and the, the church that, um, that one person, these are two separate stories. One person got baptized and, uh, the virtue in virtual reality, the avatar went under the water. Other people saw, but the, the virtual reality church said, Hey, why don't you go to a local church and, and, and get baptized? And so this is a true story, I promise. This girl went to a local church here in, in America and uh, and had a conversation with the pastor about getting baptized. The pastor said, what actually happened to you? Uh, and the girl described to the pastor what the baptism process, the conversations, everything. And, and the, literally this physical pastor at this small town church, I forget what state, uh, said, we don't need to baptize you again. You were already baptized, What you did count it. Now that was his take, I get it. Um, there, there's another story 
of, of a girl, uh, another girl, this girl's in England, who accepted Christ and, and the church encouraged her in virtual reality. The church encouraged her, hey, why don't you go to a physical church? And so this, this girl, 24 years old, um, went to four different churches over the span of six weeks. And, and according to her, no physical person in the physical church said one word to her. Now, she's she's a little bit of a wallflower. I honestly I can understand from the church context how this probably could have happened. It's not okay, but it's 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 almost understandable because she's so socially um, awkward as as an individual, and, and so. You know, even at the physical churches, there's challenges with some of these things. And so she feels pressure. I want to go back to my virtual reality friends because I wasn't able to make physical friends in, in that space. And see, and see, and, 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 and see, I would not, like, for example, just, just to be clear, if someone is attending Mac through their online campus, we don't say, hey, the goal oh, is for you to get to a physical okay. campus. We don't, we actually say no. No, no, we say we're very content with you to be online. If that's how you choose to engage and attend, that's fine. Um, but, you know, that doesn't mean there aren't steps that you can take uh, toward whether it's membership or discipleship or community, and much of which, if not all of that, can be done online. But what we, we're very content for someone to say, I attend online. That's, 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 Mech is my church. I attend online. That we're very comfortable with that. But see, here's, Here's what's a, here's what's different about the hybrid model. The hybrid model is able to say to that person, "Hey, when and if you ever have an embodied need, when and if you need a physical touch, when it, we're here, there's a community of people here that is not simply digital, but is also can is embodied." And we found it really interesting. Um, uh, we have people that will attend online. They'll come to a physical campus and say, oh, I don't like that as much. I'm back online. And we're saying, that's fine. We're not after that. What we want you to feel comfortable with is to take advantage of everything we have to offer you as a church, both digital and physical. And, and, and it's, and it's interesting that, that people love that, that hybrid nature where they, they and most people are largely physical or largely digital, but they love the freedom when they can swing to the other side, and so um, so that works. And and so yeah, for physical churches that that are listening to this conversation, what he just said is gold. Like I, I think having the hybrid approach where physical people can connect digital, digital people can engage physical and get the embodiment access. Uh, and so this is what you built hybrid church around. And so I would love for anybody listening, we'll put the link in the show notes, download it or buy it from amazon.com or churchandculture.org or .com. .org. But I did want to bounce this idea off off you. And, and, and I didn't know I was going to have this conversation with you walking in. We're actually getting ready to launch season five of the Church Digital Podcast next week. So this is a teaser even for this. Um, but what we're talking about doing there is taking digital ministry or, or, or metaverse ministry even to the next level. We're doing a, a learning community with Leadership Network in the fall. Are you, uh, Leadership Network Exponential, are you familiar? Yeah, okay. And so I work with Leadership Network as their digital and metaverse next guy. And so the, but with this learning community, we're helping churches go on a metaverse mission trip. We're helping churches get exposure to virtual reality, to the community, and engaging in that mission field. Uh, our hope is to get 250 people uh, here through Leadership Network. We're also working with GACX 
which is Campus Crusade globally uh, for international mission partners, but empowering 250 people through a number of churches to go on metaverse mission trips and start to explore the idea of these communities and what church would look like in that space. And so would love to invite Mech in, into this as forward facing as you are in digital, giving you a space and an opportunity to explore that. We can talk off air on that, but it, it just, as I, I was not expecting in you, um, and, and provide grace for this comment. I was not expecting in you the, uh, the missional nature. Um, lead pastors often are, you're a former multi-site church, so it, it makes sense, but like this was a, a surprise how you're recognizing so much of the mission field digitally, because oftentimes lead pastors of large churches transparently don't. And, and so I really respect that. And I, I would love to take Mecklenburg through this journey, start to explore and, and maybe even help to see you start to, to wrestle with some of this stuff. Plus I would love to be proven wrong. And, and so somebody like you to really come through and, and, and hammer this and make these ideas better would be really exciting to me. If, if you were interested, we can, we can talk off air on that. So thank you. Um, hey, as, as we're landing the plane here, any, any closing thoughts? No, I hope people will give the book a, a, a read if they're interested in this. We, you know, I have sections on the, the metaverse and, and other things, but it's, it's a, it's a cultural tour as well as a, as a, as a practical tour. That kind of is, is what I tried to do is to, you know, um, here are the signs of the times and here is how we should live. And so, uh, and, and it has really two angles to it. It's not just the digital revolution, but the new post-Christian world and the, the challenges that that brings to bear for the mission. And, uh, so it gives equal treatment to that because it is the, the reason that the digital revolution is so important is because it's the way to communicate to this new mission field, which is the post-Christian world. And understanding the nature of that post-Christian world is as important as being um, adept at all things digital. So it brings all that together. So I hope people will um, give it a give it a glance, and if something that they feel would serve the wider church, that they would uh, share it with others. Beautiful. So check out Hybrid Church, the book, Amazon, or Church and Culture, churchandculture.org. Uh, more information there. We'll put the link in the show notes. Uh, James Emery Weitzer, thank you very much. It's been a pleasure to have you on the podcast and uh, would love to do it again sometime as the book expands or, or as uh, more things expand in the life of Mecklenburg Church. But for James, this is Jeff with the Church Digital, Digital Church Network, Leadership Network, and a whole bunch of other fun stuff. Thanks for jumping on the podcast here and y'all have a good day. Talk to you later.